There's something deeply fascinating about the way international film influences mainstream national cinema. To contextualise before you start to correct me, it is far too easy to look at kaiju cinema as a perennial cult genre, chronocentrically defining the past by the present. At their inception, though, or merely via intention, these films are mainstream fare. They are profit-making enterprises trying to match the whims of the market. What this means is a lot of scoping out international trends. Japanese cinema is no more guilty of this than the other market, but it is an interesting case study. Though not a kaiju film, the perfect example of how Japan likes to echo Western cinema with a twist would be Nobuhiko Obayashi's 1977 film House, or Haosu. Um, this madcap gem, and in my opinion one of the greatest films ever made, um, was the debut feature from its director, previously a director of commercials. This background in advertising made him prime, so they thought, to hit mainstream notes, to grab an audience, cinema perhaps wasn't getting. After all, this was a low point, according to many, and that's the money people, for Japanese's wider cultural relevance in cinema. The brief was, Jaws is popular, make something like Jaws. Listener, house is nothing like Jaws. Why this story? Well, it is another example of how Japanese cinema likes to ape the West, but how the end result often beguiles or fascinates. Of course, the original Godzilla is a direct result of requests to make something like King Kong, a perfect example of aping wider film. Even The Mysterians, one of the last episode's films, is a direct attempt to corner the UFO market, most overtly inspired by Earth vs. the Flying Saucers. Rodan is another one of these films. This Ishiro Hondo-directed work, his first colour kaiju, though not yet in scope, is an attempt to Japanify or kaijuify Gordon Douglas's Them. This B-movie staple about giant insects includes sequences that are lovingly lifted into Rodan, as the opening act is all about people being terrorised by giant bugs. Rodan is not just a copy, though, it is part homage, part reimagining, and all expansion. It is inflected with Western flavour, but is very much a Japanese kaiju film, one of the foundational texts of the genre. This, let's call it homage to Hollywood, is more of a way to spice up the distinct kaiju genre than any kind of strict emulation. You see, Rodan is a fascinating film, another work from before the kaiju genre had truly established a concrete identity. If the original Godzilla is horror-influenced, Rodan takes it further, digging into harsher and more hellish imagery with a much more invasive soundscape. Akira Ofukabe returns with a menacing score, less iconic than his work on Godzilla, but truly unsettling, and the perfect accompaniment to this film. Rodan is foundational for so many later kaiju films. First of all, it introduces a monster from the sky, influenced by an Archaeopteryx in the pre-production stage, but eventually based on a pterodon, or a pterodon. I don't know how you say dinosaurs. Another important part of Rodan's influence is setting up the Godzilla-verse. Rodan returning to destroy monsters with powers from other films, including Varan, more on him later, sets up a shared universe of seemingly separated films decades before Marvel. The other interesting point, but perhaps a misstep in this film, is the attempt to create more emotional attachment to the monsters. It is not to humanise them, though that will come, but to present them as living and emotive things, asking us to mourn the passing of our terrors in kaiju and this film, in a scene that works in a vacuum but falls flat due to the film's wider context. But it was the start of something, gesturing towards a philosophy that would underpin this genre going forwards, embracing a love of monsters more than a fear of monsters, and establishing our kaijus as the characters. Another way Rodan signals what is to come is in its reception. Nowadays, we have a specific expectation of kaiju cinema, which is a B-movie thrills, often delightfully below B-movies. They are big, loud, repetitive, and wonderfully dumb. It is the cinema of scale and spectacle, not a cerebral exercise. In general, that is, there are wonderful outliers that cement the genre's ability to come in insightfully on resonant themes. Coming off of Godzilla, though, critics had a different expectation of the genre. 
these films are expected to have a subtext and clear themes. Yes, a lack of this was held against Godzilla Raids again, but that was expected. It was a rush sequel from a dis- different director. With Rodan, we have Honda, the Godzilla Man, returning to the genre of a sincere work. Critics expected to think and criticise the film for not giving them this. And you know what? The critics were wrong. While Rodan lacks the complexity of Godzilla, it is an intelligent work with substance that rewards a deep exploration. Once again, it is a topical work. There is even a surface ripped from the headlines. Rodan, a supersonic flying monster, represents fears of advancing military tech in the sphere of aviation. But Rodan bringing down a stray fighter investigated disturbance is supposed to evoke the much-reported Mantel UFO incident of 1948. In fact, in the original script, the film went even further. The first plane destroyed by Rodan was a US jet, sowing the seeds for an international incident that was part of an underlying comment on post-war tenders in Japan. These elements were excised from the shooting script, but wider depth remains. The first one we should really note is the atypical positioning in this film. Yes, it is another work from Honda that focuses on his own groups rather than individuals. The compositions always keep groups of people in frame, and the focus always on collaboration and never on singular heroics, unless as part of a wider group strategy. Yet our actual heroes here are different. The wider Godzilla movies, and wider kaiju cinema in general, tends to focus on authority figures. Our human players are scientists, soldiers, politicians, or journalists, sometimes spies, on occasion representatives of large corporations, and even from time to time foreign diplomats. When this does show a range, it also shows a limited spectrum of society. We focus on traditional professions and present the illusion of a classless society. Humanity is made up of experts in the Hondaverse. An underlying reductive logic that links to Honda's frequent deification of the UN and a similar glorification of unified warfare. Rodan is more of a, dare I say it, class conscious film and actually uses a working class lens for its drama. This is an affecting scale from which to view destruction, and it opens up some interesting commentary, making this a more interesting work than so much of the wider genre. This focus is not baseless. Also, not just there for the sake of it, our lens is informed by history or by current affairs. The film is primarily set around a mine, and by extension of that, its workers. The mining town is fictional, but is inspired and shot on location at Mitsue Mike coal mine in western Kyushu, and the history of this place resonates throughout the film. This is much more grounded work than usual, literalized through perspective. We delve into the earth and the film does the same thing, delving deeper into more specific issues. Godzilla represents global fears, nuclear bombs, and the technology of warfare. Rodan starts with accidents at a mine, a very real but more localized concern. Yes, these accidents are caused by giant ants, but the film does not lean into nuclear mutation. The logic here is about irresponsible action. It verges on capitalist critique. We are digging deep, we are exploiting our workers, and the consequences are rising up. The film frequently cuts from miners in peril to the managers in a state of actual safety. Eventually, the managers get theirs, but the film shows how those at the bottom of the economic ladder, the workers, the proletariat, are used as resources to begin with, throwing down dangerous mines to line already wealthy pockets, pockets removed far from their realities, only to be human shields later when the consequences come. Oh, the bourgeois will face the consequences of their actions, but not before the workers are destroyed. What tears apart those at the bottom scratches those at the top. These ideas are well articulated here. The advent of colour is used to show grab is used to show drab realities. This is a film of browns and blacks and greys. It's muddy and grim. The film is still lit with the logic of black and white film, focusing on contrast and wonderful shadow work. It is deeply atmospheric and the realization of peril in the mines is superb. These mines are not happy places. They're places of struggle. And the film manages to be aware of the wider irresponsibility that is harvesting the world of natural resources, as shown for Awakening Monsters, while also being cognizant of how this is not the fault of the workers and how it hits them much harder. After all, 
The mind shown here was influenced by one famous for unrest. Coal was a major force for economic growth in Japan after the war, and here the precarity, efficacy, and human cost of this is questioned. The film was obviously not alone in these concerns. Uh, Mitsui Miku Mine was home to large-scale unrest in 1952 and 1953, the former a 282,000-person strike demanding an end to wage limits, the latter a 25,000 protest against layoffs. This is a politically charged location, and Honda's film effectively sows that backdrop into the narrative. Why this works so well is it a genre twist in the first act. Our opening act is claustrophobic, a creature feature, and pretty much self-contained. We start with general unrest, anti-manager sentiment that contextualizes the politics, before seeing accidents start to occur. They seem natural. So the managers put in the workers at risk, and then giant ants emerge. Now that is, the managers created a monster. This is not a kaiju film, though, not yet. It's a creature feature. There is palpable fear and tension. One of the best moments is the positioning of a shot in which the first giant insect comes right at the camera, as if attacking the audience, a reflection of how a socially focused drama has been evaded by a different film, amping up a sense of danger. Of course, this attack overwhelms the workers. It's a tragic sequence marked by death and failure. And then a kaiju erupts. Enter Rodan, a flying dinosaur, supersonic speeds. The metaphor switches and switches nicely. The concerns were from the ground, they were down low, and even that was too much. And even if that was solved, the real issue was now from high above. The transition from the subterranean to our first flying kaiju is masterful, both amplifying the sense of oppression and hopelessness of the working class while accentuating the impact of a new kaiju. Renan's design only adds to that. He has the appearance of an imperialist eagle. He stands amid wreckage and flame, upright like the birds of prey using the insignia of the Roman Empire or the Nazis. This specific connotation gives him such impact and shows how a wider system of oppression makes the struggles of those at the bottom of hierarchical societies insignificant. We cared so much about the ants and now they are forgotten. The ongoing implications of this we will save for the rest of the podcast as well as the amazing effects work and the ultimately disappointing final act. The most obvious question is what about Varen? You know, Varen, Honda's next kaiju film. Well, if Rodan is an example of how interesting the kaiju genre was at the time, Varen is the poster child for how derivative and disappointing it can be. But that kind of context, that merits a conversation. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to Ranking the Monsters with Calvin and Steven. That was another beautiful uh, intro, always digging out so much more than I think is even possible in these Keiju movies. Um, There's a movie, I will overthink it without fault every time. (laughs) Uh, You're delivering TED Talks left and right, as we've discussed today. Uh, And uh, Steven, our premier uh, TED Talk expert, uh, pig expert, pig movie aficionado, and uh, Kaiju connoisseur, um, as always, you're you're leading a conversation here, and I'm uh, jumping in with uh, fresh eyes and uh, and an interest yeah. in learning about these things, especially. And um, I don't think it'll be too long until I become also a a kaiju hmm. connoisseur in a way. I I think I'm beginning to support the interests of the genre at least, and uh, feeling Fantastic. defensive about them when they're not received properly. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting, actually, as I was alluding to in the introduction, it's like there was this, this critical shift in how these films are approached of being like these films that were seen as being like a very interesting, like new way to look ideas. And now we're just seen as just absolute trash. Um, and though that's somewhat true, now when they're interesting, they are expected to be trash, um, which is a shame. Um, yeah. Should we start with um, 1958's Varen? What do we say? What do we say about 1958's Varen other than it is 1958's Varen? Um, 
I think what's interesting about this is Rodan feels like two movies in one. Mm. And Varen to me feels like a third of the movie. Uh, uh, that's really interesting because yeah. it's intended to be two movies in one and we'll, we'll, and, and kind of three movies in one, but we'll get to that. Varen I'm is, guessing you think Varen is bad. Uh, very, very bad. Uh, just abysmal. Yeah. I, I don't have any redeeming qualities. And uh, whatever could be there, I'm so bored out of my school watching it that I, I don't have yeah. anything to hold on to. It's rough. I have one good thing about it, which is about halfway through, you realize the monster can kind of fly in the most unbelievable way. And that <laughs> moment was just glorious. Like it, it's got like bat wings. You don't yeah. know it's got bat wings. It doesn't look like it should fly. I kind of like how Varen looks. Um, and he moves his arms up and he flies. I think, I, I mean, I did you watch the um, Japanese version or the I American did. version? I watched the Japanese um, version. Then slightly different, but they're both terrible. Um, mm. The... Um, Interestingly, I think I first watched the um, American version because that's what I had available at the time. Um, and I think in my review at the time, I was just like, Varon seems cool. I hope Maybe. he has a better movie at some point. I mean, he does return. So we'll get Varon later in Destroyer Monsters. But it's also okay, hilarious so when Monster he returns. Island, uh, I just yes, Monster about. Island. So. Yeah, we'll get to that. Which comes back in another movie, but it's a different Monster Island, okay. which is bizarre. <laughs> and it's like the next movie. And they're like, no, not that Monster Island. A different one. You're like, what? Um, <laughs> well, that's what I'm, I'm learning a lot about um, the crossover potential of these things and how uh, yeah. they could build universes uh, well before marvelization mm. of a uh, universe building in a more interesting way for me i think these uh, I think intersect so and i think these actually have a social currency which uh, to yes. me marvel does too right i mean marvel has a social currency it's just a negative one or it's a conservative <laughs> one we should say it's a conservative There's, one with yeah. a few notable exceptions but that's that's right. for a, a, another podcast um so Varen is actually interesting, not as a film, but as a, as a historical item. Um, the thing to know about Varen is that this is 1958, and this is a three-film year for Ishura Honda. So he comes <laughs> out with Song for a Bride, The H-Man, which looks really cool, I've never found it, okay. and Varen, or as it's called in the States, Varen the Unbelievable. Um, and that's not only a three-film year, he was used to making lots of dramas in a year. This is a two-special effects film year, and that's really different. Um it was also at the time when critics were turning against kaiju films and were suddenly like, we're, we just don't like this anymore. Um, so the H-Man was a real target for that um, because it was seen as being, it was a, a more experimental work from what I've read about it. Um, and it was just like, everyone's like, what is this? This is too weird. Yeah. We're bored of these films. Um, and I think that really kind of like um, soiled how Varen came across, but he wasn't going to make Varen. Um, Varen is like a commission piece, um, primarily from America, so America at this point had only just got Godzilla, um, King of the Monsters, and America was Godzilla crazy. And Rodan came out pretty quick after in America. Mm. And American producers was like, we like Godzilla. We like Rodan. Make me a Godzilla Rodan. And that it seemed to have tried, at least. I mean, it seems like the most cynical version of that that you could make. Yes. Um, the problem is they also said make it a TV movie. <laughs> and it does feel like that, too. <laughs> um, but it, what? But then it gets even worse. So they said, make it a TV movie. It was supposed to be a three-episode arc made for TV. So it was shot as a TV film. So you'll notice that it's blown up into scope, but it's not filmed in scope. So that's why it yeah. looks so terrible. So it every image awful. is extended, um, and that's why it's black and white because TV was black and white. Mm. Um, so it seems strange to go from color Rodan to black and white Baron. Uh, but you've got cameras meant for TV and an image meant for TV. However, just before they started shooting, they said, oh, that's actually, we're making a film now, not TV. Oh. 
so they had to use that stuff and they had to reformat everything, which has meant to everyone just being really pissed off at what happened. Like everyone was really rushed. Um, no one really knows quite how the film was shot. So a normal kaiju film is about um, 28. Um, oh, I've got the things here. I'll let it down. So about 40 days to shoot and 45 days for the effects. Um, the entire movie of Varen is 28 days. Um, yeah. In its entire process, so this was just like skimmed through really, really quickly. Um, suddenly, it becomes a movie, and like the people involved did not know what to make about it. I've got a quote from Honda actually: um, "This is not a work I am happy with. If we could have restarted from the beginning, scenes such as those with the self-defense forces might be more grand. Everything was pretty much shot on a small set. The entire film would have turned out a little better." Yeah. Um, so they did not want to make the film made the film in different circumstances and then they couldn't make the film they even wanted to make. Um, it's also, um, there's two main writers on the um, Godzilla team uh, who are known for the show Godzilla's. So you've got Sekizawa and you've got Kimura. Um, Kimura is a card-carrying communist. Um, so you can see his politics kind of influence themselves. He wrote Rodan, for example. Um, and he works on the more sincere works. There's a lot of jokes about how they would talk about things. So Sekizawa would be happy to make movies like Varen and... Kimura would look down on that. They often collaborated. Mm. Um, so Sekizawa was thrown this one because it was a fun one. So Kimura does the sincerity, Sekizawa does the fun. Um, and they brought on Sekizawa originally because he made a Godzilla ripoff. So like, you made a Godzilla ripoff, come make Godzilla movies for us. Um, and this movie, after he wrote the treatment, he said, I'm bored of this formula. I'm never doing it again. So this was an end point um, for the Godzilla-verse and for the kaiju films. They're like, let's, no more Varens was the point. Varen was so bad for everyone involved. Um, I read a bit about it and there's very little that anyone has good to say about it. Yeah. Um, it seems some... like it could have all ended here. Like it, it mm. seems like Varen could have been like an end for Honda and an end for like this brand of Kaiju in a way. It, it doesn't feel like it should have continued after this. Um, if it were being done today, it wouldn't have is what I'm saying. I think you're right, actually. I think that's why we go into the um, the crossover events next, because then we okay. go into um, Go Godzilla and Kong, don't we? Then we like bring in the like, oh, that hand gets an outside appeal here. Which so I think you're very much correct. We may be skipping out of chronology, by the way, but uh, we'll yeah. get back to Godzilla Kong if we if we need to. So. Yeah, if you, if you want to hear my views on Godzilla Kong, I've recorded another podcast out on it. So the mm. Great Movies part where I talk about it at length there. So I don't want to repeat myself so soon. Um, kind of a, a worthless endeavor. Um, but yeah, uh, this movie also, um, I, I don't quite have the vocabulary for this next bit, so I'll be very, very careful. Um, so an earlier Honda movie, which is somewhat lost. Um, half Human? Yes, Half Human. There you go. Um, yeah, so an earlier Honda film, Half Human, um, which um, its title actually is somewhat declarative of its, the problems of its politics. Um, again, my vocabulary here is not good enough. Um, there are certain indigenous populations in Japan um, who are um, represented terribly in their media. And um, Half Human um, played into horrendous stereotypes about the idea of certain groups being subhuman or being disabled. Um, and this film does that too. Um, so Varen presents this community and it presents them in ways that are not very clear to a Western viewer. I don't think it's very, it wasn't very overt to myself. Um, also, it's hard to pay attention because the film is so boring, um, but it presents a specific community. Now, the reason I'm not giving a name is because I've read a few essays on this mm. and different names were given each time there's some research and the different names given are two different communities so someone yeah. is getting this wrong 
and I don't want to add to the wrongness here. And I don't want to be like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Um, that's but right. it's an indigenous community that's being misrepresented and it's applying another stereotype that they are um, disabled. Um, and then it's applying a ableist rhetoric that that makes them inferior anyway, because obviously that would not make one inferior, but it's kind of like a eugenicist kind of thing. It's, it's just, it's disgusting. Um, mm. And that actually led to Varen actually being not released on home video for a long time because this topic's very sensitive in um, Japanese culture. I think it's quite a popular stereotype, so to speak, to be reductive, but it's a thing that does not like to be put out in media. They're very sensitive about putting in there. Um, so a caveat there for um, some racism in Varen. I've been worried about the kaijus that some of it would become about eugenics. I think that was yeah. a lot of my perception before was that a lot of this is about breeding and uh, yeah. in some way controlling uh, a very large amount of people, maybe from Asia or, you know, like another part of uh, of the globe. But it, it uh, to me, it always seemed to have that that subtext there that uh, maybe kaijus were also kind of about eugenics in some mm. way. I, I, that does come up. Extent. Yeah. Um, actually, one of my favorite Godzilla movies, Godzilla vs. Biollante, actually takes on the topic of like eugenics and criticizes it. Okay. Because in that movie, they make a kaiju, like a an organic kaiju. So there's this idea of being like to create a super being, like to create like an ubermensch kind of thing. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and the things that fall out of that, that was like the first Godzilla movie. I was like, man, there are some complex ideas of these. And it ends pretty dumbly, um, but it's a sure, really of fascinating course it would. <laughs> Yeah, they I just mean, fight for a while. I expect these to set these things up and then um, these very important topics and then almost do them in a dumb way. I appreciate that they're uh, willing to to play Which, in, that, in that sandbox. Dare I say Shin Godzilla um, continues the tradition there as well. It in does, like, in, a way, fashion. in a way I really enjoy it. We'll, we'll get to mm. a lot of Shin yeah. Godzilla at some it's point. It's a very good movie. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about Varen? Varen? <laughs> what do I have to say about Varen? I mean, uh, he's just a... Faux Godzilla to me. I, yeah. He doesn't mean anything when he's on the screen. Um, uh, the the sets are really undercooked yeah. to me. They they don't destroy TV properly. Sets. Yeah, they're TV sets. They don't look like he's really properly destroying things. Um, he doesn't have enough unique characteristics here. No. Uh, I'm more interested in seeing him return and what they do with him against other monsters. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's definitely still fodder kaiju, but it's it's kind of fun to see Varen again. They're like, it's Varen. Why is Varen in here? Yeah. Varen from Varen? What the hell? Yeah, um, just bringing him back is interesting to me because it's such a failure as a movie and it doesn't doesn't do anything for me. I, 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 I agree. I, I have nothing really to say about Varen's merits. Uh, I, I <sighs> doubt it's going to rank very well for us. No. So yeah. I've been reading David Kalet's, um Kaiju book, which is really, really good. Um, he goes through the um, the Godzilla wider chronology um, and he finds some, he's very charitable and he finds one good thing to say about Varen. Um, and he gave the, the, the context about the um, kind of like divide in the writing stuff. Um, his um, interesting point was he actually thinks that the the characters are somewhat interesting, and I wish I could agree. I think he's being way charitable there because he says that Sekizawa has an ability to write Spartan characters. Um, he may do. Yeah. Um, I think that's some confirmation bias there. Um, yeah. You feel that from the wider work. I, the characters in this do not spark. They are purely functional, and I can't remember anything that happens in this movie, and I watched it very recently. It's not even pure proficiency or whatever I usually get out of this. It's less yeah. than that, um, which is very distressing. Um, yeah. I'm so I was worried about it, but uh, I'm, I'm glad you paired it in with uh, Rodan, at least. Uh, mm. So we had something to talk about here. 
Another good thing out of um, Varen, so the soundtrack actually, I think, rules. Um, it's another Fukube soundtrack. Um, so what he did actually is... They he actually, took it from the, another movie, right? He, uh, he used it again. Okay. So the theme that's used for Varen here is used again for the Gidera theme later because they're like, okay. yo, this motif rules. Um, we've got a Gidera movie. Let's chuck it in that because Gidera rules. Um, yeah, I'd say the only good thing about Varen, maybe the sound design mm. still sounds like Godzilla in a way. Yes. It could have been any... Godzilla movie that sound was in so hmm. fine uh after those uh those lows uh we're back with the another height for me uh, a middle ground uh a kaiju film but uh I think you've added a lot more context for me to appreciate it now yeah I really love this movie and I didn't the first time actually I gave it a really sniffy ranking the first time I think again I watched the dub and the dubs are are, are awful because Amazon Prime when I was had it had it for a little bit um, added a bunch of kaiju films as I was going on holiday so I downloaded a bunch of them to watch them um, before my big kaiju binge I was like oh yeah 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 and watch Rodan and it's slightly reordered um, it doesn't have some of the contextualizing and it's just I know I wasn't really into it um, and this time I watched it with uh, I was going to say friend of the show and friend of the site but no I watched it with um, Twin Geek staff member um, Vaughn um, and got I think that helped I think watching it with someone to bounce ideas off um mm. also um in a way that only he will appreciate um I'm gonna say this movie is very much like Jean-Luc Godard's weekend <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm not sure where you're going yet with yeah this, uh, um, so it's a movie that I also watched um with Vaughn and um friend of the show Beb um we were supposed to be doing a D&D session um, with our other friend Cody mm. um and Jack and Cody's car uh, broke so he had to take his car for repairs so we were left a bunch of time and I was like should we just watch a movie um and we ended up watching Weekend because they, yeah. they were not Goddard um conversant and I had not seen Weekend yet and I spent two thirds of weekend being like, this is the greatest film ever made. Oh my God, this is the best thing. And I was like, so effusive in my brain being like, I can't believe how good this film is. And everyone was like, people do say the ending is bad. I'm like, nah, nah, everything is like, this movie is great. And then the final act is so bad. It's such um, a wonderful ride till you get to that ending. Uh, uh, good art is the surprise same. you. Even when you're feeling him, you could, you could still subvert that feeling too. Rodan is basically the same movie of two acts of being like Uh, really, really interesting, a lot of interesting thematic ideas as well. And then a final act that's just repeated explosions on the same volcano to the extent that I got incredibly bored. I've never been bored watching a volcano before. Just like, can this volcano stop exploding? So my notes on Rodan, effectively two kaiju movies, you get a whole kaiju movie before you even get to the Rodan of it all, uh, which is interesting. And, um, Despite that, it has two very different kaiju movies and then mm. a bad ending. So I mean, there's a, I mean, structurally, that's how I'd put it. Uh, two movies and an ending that's not as good as either. Yeah, the, the ending is another victim of a mistake on set, um, which is becoming a bit of a kaiju trend. Of mm. So the, the what they were filming for the lava was, I think, is often commonplace as molten metal. Um, and the heat from the molten metal was enough to kind of like break and snap one of the wires holding Rodan off. So oh, wow. you'll see that he bounces really awkwardly at the end. So his yeah. death is strangely protracted. Um, so Tsusubaraya was really upset about that. So what Honda did to work with it is he just amped up the sounds of distress um, to try and make the death make more sense. But it does not fix it totally. It's still just yeah. like a, a weird, like flopping thing. You're like, um, um, and as I alluded to in my intro, actually, I think the ending is a real misstep um, in terms of its emotion. 
Yeah, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't quite work with the rest of it. Uh, it goes to this like elegiac mode. It's like this mournful music that is just like, and look, Rodan is dying, <laughs> and like. 20 minutes earlier, he was standing as like a personified fascist symbol burning apart. You're like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. Rodan feels mean. Like, Godzilla kills the hell of everything, but Rodan feels mean and cruel. Yeah. There's a great bit where he's like bathed with fire around him. The city is smoking. It's so post war destruction, but very, very active. And like, there is a, I think it's the fact that he destroys things in his, in his wake because he leaves supersonic power behind him. He feels cruel and nasty. And I love that. And then it's like, oh no, Rodan died. I'm like, damn right, Rodan died. Rodan's a bastard. I want to say it's a very specialized kaiju movie too. The the sets are better than we've seen yet. Um, they're the incredible. Sets are incredible. They're they're remodeled mm. like after the city as a mirror of of like a city that we get to see. And it's so specifically detailed, building by building. And the destruction is so detailed that uh, oh, yeah. Think- Oh, actually, one of the um, one of the workers, one of the crewmen, um, was as a child. Uh, I guess like older than a child because it doesn't line up. But he was when younger, um, was hit by um, Typhoon Maruto, um, mm-hmm. and the images of the tiles being blown off are specifically added by him as an idea to kind of like encapsulate the destruction that he saw. So there's always little touch to being like, this is what real destruction looks like, which I think links to. I think, I think Rodan is okay. It's not scary as in keeps you up at night but yeah. in the moment like it's a scary imposing film rodan hurts yeah. stuff and it looks painful and the sound design is really discordant uh-huh. it is yeah mm. and it, it is worrying to watch i mean it it feels like the highest pressure of any of these we've seen in a way um uh, even even in the minds that that creature yes. is kind of terrifying as you say he comes toward the screen and it's, such a, good, cost, it's such a good like outfit for a kaiju and it's such a good look, that first one. Uh, I almost like it more than Rodan, uh, which is probably uh, controversial, but uh, but he appears first. That uh, he has priority. In yeah, too. I, I, I think a disappointment of the of the second half of the film is the whole two ran two Rodan idea doesn't really work very well. No, it um, doesn't. <laughs> they didn't really make much out of there being two of them. You're just like, oh wait, there are two. I guess. Yeah. Um, it's not like there's one, and then another one arrives. It's like there are just kind of two doing different things, <laughs> and then. They die. You're like, okay. Unfortunately, I mean, I I love the city and how it's built in the models of it, but uh, there's something about the mind setting too yeah. that really works for me in a kaiju way that we haven't seen before, which is that uh, we're used to like these open spaces of destruction. Uh, to kind of close it into a mind mm. and and to look at like that that uh, that pressure on the workers and uh, it it feels bigger and, and harsher that way. Well, it reminds me of the first Godzilla in that way, of there is a sense of tension and fear yeah. even before the monster arrives. There's that sense of this is a dangerous time to be alive in. When you get the sense that Tokyo in Godzilla is not a happy place anyway, like it is still a post-war gloom. And that's that's different here. Obviously, it is post-war inflected, um, but it's very much like focusing, as I said, on these ideas of what are we doing to our environment on a localized sense this is like it's not a climate change parable, but it can be read as one. Um, but it's very much we are exploiting a workforce and we are mining the hell out of our country mm-hmm. and there are problems here and the mine is genuinely scary and the first victims you see are just dead bodies down in the mine shaft and i think it is a it's revealed they were killed by giants um but it works before that it's just like this yeah. is a dangerous place to be 
But honestly, I mean, this is well before I'm used to that kind of horror. I mean, this is very mm. early for that, like, underground, you're in the mines, and yeah. uh, something that's kind of reverberated through, like, a history of horror after this, but uh, I, I don't remember a lot of horror that's, like, underground and, like, in this confinement and uh, has that kind of fear that, that eventually Alien has that, that I'm... Yeah, really, and, and The Descent yeah. as well, very much so. Descent like, specifically, yeah. Uh, it's... I, yeah, the, I think the, the first act of this movie is one of the best first acts of, of, of a kaiju film. I um, love the first half, yeah. Just, and I, I like all the metaphoric potential there. And I it reminds me of, again, to be very pretentious, of um, Antonioni's Red Desert, the way of being like, oh, I'm going to use colour, but I'm going to use colour to show no colour at all. Of, and the lack of colour is why the colour is important. The fact that you see how little colour is in the world, which you would not get through, ironically, black and white photography, is, mm-hmm. is I just love that. Um, I also love, like, the rest of the time who just did a parade of colors um like femme and femme to get got her back into it wonderful but this sense of you feel like you should be seeing this wide like why did you pay so much money to get like color stock and just like there's no color here at all it just feels so drab so depressing yeah um yeah i mean color of it i feel like we we don't use it with purpose now even if we mm. tried to use it uh movies are just gray because they are right like yes. there's not there's not grayness with purpose, but uh, in a way, it's it's still still following that lineage of the black and white movies too. It still feels in line with them despite having color. It very much does, and I think I I noticed that as well. The way that it's shot, you can tell these people are used to shooting black and white films because the scenes are defined by contrast. Um, it is a lot of like unnatural shadow work. Um, so you can tell they're used to seeing black and white images and like manipulating them. The way it's lit is more about shadow and darkness and light than it is about just like representing reality, um, which I think makes it look really strong. It's, it's a very pretty movie. It's like a reminder that um, these Honda movies, when they were at their height, are really good looking films. There's some really striking compositions. The way he uses the um, um, diagonal angle of the the rock face is really nice to get like people mm. like traversing it. Um, and again, as we talked about the Mysterians, just like I will never not love Honda's. Um, just he wants to put everybody in every frame. I just love it. It's just there's so many people all the time. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's great. It's great sometimes when someone doesn't quite know how to frame people or they shoot it in a way that it you're not expected to. Like if you you went to film school, you'd be like, maybe don't put that many people in the frame. But yeah, no, like who is the person here? Who am I just looking at and listening to? Like, ah, all of them. It's something more interesting when you don't follow that advice and you don't have that mm. technique set and you just kind of do it. And it works. So, if we're ranking monsters here, are we gonna are we gonna count both these monsters as monster potential? Uh, no, uh, I, I think we just well, we just every movie is its own ranking, right? I mean, yeah, true, 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 true. true. This is a double monster though. Or this ranking though, I think is what you're asking, right? Hmm? Are they both uh, additive to this one movie? Uh, that I think that's actually an interesting question. Of like, do you think the jump from suddenly it's a different movie? is effective or i mean you said and we both agreed that i think the the first act is the strongest independent act of the film so is it ruined by rodan does rodan deserve a different movie uh, i think it's like i said i feel like it's two movies to me i think both of them work also uh i think both are okay i think they do conflict a little bit and uh, for me i found like a perfect middle ground for me so i i know that anything less than rodan on that i think uh goes to the bottom of the list and anything higher I want to I want to place a little priority on uh, because I, I like a lot about Rodan and uh, for me it is a good middle ground of uh, themes and uh, technique mm. and things working 
but also a movie that I'm not really uh, itching to recommend people that are outside our conversation. I, I think that's the really the really pertinent point of if you like kaiju films, I say Rodan's a really interesting one. Check yeah, this out. It's it, but... it's different than you think. Like it is formative. If you don't, if I'm if I'm recommending it to someone that's not into it, I'm like, yeah, no, don't. Like I've since we've been like, should I watch this? I'm like, no, watch these five <laughs> movies first and yeah. then watch this. Um, I, I do think there's two movies here and both of them would be more interesting than the one that came together as one movie. So uh, I do really like though, that jump in scale. Yeah. I love the idea of, and, and I don't know if it's intentional or not, but just like the inherent symbolism of, Rodan's this eagle-like figure. Like, I mean, to get very controversial, there are other nations that use eagles as an <laughs> eagles, yes. for, for imperialism. Um, but there be? is, there is, yeah. there is. I mean, but because it's you know, it's it's about superiority. It's this idea of this mm. this thing that is above that everything is prey to it. And like seeing that literalized as we jump from a working class narrative is, I think, really quite powerful. I don't know if it's intentional at all, but like seeing you care so much about workers' struggle, and then it's just like oh, that doesn't matter anymore. Like this thing is so far above and just destroys. It possibly just needs something in it so that anyone watching it could realize that intention because I, I yeah, see I, where I you're, you're going right. now and I see that it's in the movie, but I didn't feel that at all watching the movie. I, I missed. Yeah, I, I think you are right. It's, it's, it's a movie that it doesn't invite you to treat it academically and it only yeah. rewards you if you do so, but unless you're sitting down taking notes for a podcast, you're not going to do that. And most people are not doing that, which is a problem. Um, I do kind of like the, um, to link to an, another beloved thing of us. It has like a, a Katamari Damacy kind of like logic to it in the sense <laughs> I knew of- it would come up eventually. <laughs> Uh, at the very beginning, you're rolling up. I, I like the thing in the Katamari Damacy level where, like, at the beginning, paper clips matter a lot. And at the yeah. end, it's buildings. And you go back to where you came from, you're like, oh, God, like, I just I can't even see that anymore. And there is that sense here of, like, I love how detailed the mine is and how, like, you know where the people go and, like, the topography of it. And then you're just watching an entire city be destroyed. And then you're back to the the volcano and the, the mine doesn't matter anymore. So that change in scale is really interesting to me. Though I actually yeah. I do wish, I think, to what you said that it it did use that as a foil more often um to keep that lens going because it loses that lens completely yeah i think it does need the connection in the ending i think that would tie mm. it together for me and i'd feel that i'd feel that thematic thing that that really is there i mean it's so obviously there in the first half that i i can't deny that that's what he's building to because it's so obvious uh, and and then it then it goes away and i i, I didn't know if that's still what it was about so yeah, and I think there is evidence of it being a sounded down script. Like it was interesting to read that there was more kind of controversial political edges, like commenting on like American occupation mm-hmm. and the idea of the Americans getting in the way and like that that would have been a much more interesting film. And you could tell they did not want to push the boat out very much because again, they wanted to make it palatable for the American audience. Um, and it was, and it was successful for that reason. It did very well. Um, it didn't do Godzilla well, but it, it, it did well. Well, uh, shall we get to our rankings here? Yeah, um, I think so. It's a good, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah. I, I like what you're saying. These are very much yardstick films now, I think. Of, yeah. Uh, they measured the rest of the list. I, I agree. That's what kind of what I was getting at, is that I'm mm. defining at least my middle here. And I don't know if it'll play that way on the list. but uh, And I think a very low end, too. <laughs> I, think, I think we'll see that. Uh, yeah, Varen uh, sucks, man. <laughs> yeah. We barely had anything to say about Varen. I don't think we have much to say about where it places, except... Like, uh, I okay. considered watching Varen again last night so I was like I can't remember from this movie but I was yeah. like no I watched it recently and actually me not remembering is, is is more important like that's the takeaway is this movie goes in and out of your ear whilst you're watching it 
I watched half of it and then stopped. I watched the re- I watched all of it this morning. I didn't remember anything from the first half. I, there's, I mean, it didn't help me to watch the first half twice. Uh, no. Nothing came together in any way that was more interesting. I didn't I do have like how he looks thoughts. though. He's a cool looking monster, but the it's movie okay. doesn't doesn't. I, actually, I know like when he looks when he stands up and he gets his bat wings out. I'm like, you are hilarious. Um, That's the one yeah, the, funny thing he does. Uh, it, is, it is really funny though. So shall I, re- I read our current list here? Um, yeah. We have at one Godzilla, the, the X from Outer Space, Chimera, Pacific Rim, Cloverfield, Godzilla Raids Again, Mysterians, Godzilla, and Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, I, I guess we start with the bottom right uh i guess yeah. i the guess that's the, the top yeah we don't want to enter a discussion that way so where's yeah. baron go is Slippery it better baron. than um i godzilla's a more interesting non-film godzilla is not yeah. a film but it's more interesting as a cultural object Our baron's only appeal is as a cultural object um godzilla is is fascinating modern art it's an installation it's a it's a cool thing yeah is it more offensive than king of the monsters uh king of the monsters is like a is like a crime yeah whereas i feel bad about varon varon seems like it was a complication of like a production and uh king of the monsters feels like an intentional hate crime against as as loaded as that language is like yeah yeah, um i'm not gonna disagree i so i i would put it a notch above king of the monsters because king of the monsters is just like why would you ever watch that it's just godzilla (laughs) but worse um or at least varon you're like I guess you tried, guys. Yeah, so Varen will go uh, between Godzilla and K- King of the Monsters down at the bottom. We're yeah. number number nine now. It'll be uh, then. Uh, that'll be fine. Uh, I think Varen deserves to be down there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Um, hmm. Rodan. That's interesting. <laughs> um, Rodan does where- make an interesting case. I know where I would put it, and I think I know where you would put it. Okay, where do you think I would put it? I think you would put it below Pacific Rim and above Cloverfield. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, is that also where you would put it? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, you'd put it below Cloverfield. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> would you put it above Godzilla 1954? Is it? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, no, I would put it below Gamera because Gamera is just glee. Yeah. But I would put it above Pacific Rim. I think it's a more interesting move than Pacific Rim. But is it, um, as a movie, I don't think it is more interesting. I, I think maybe like it's kaiju ness might be more interesting than Pacific Rim if we want to take that battle. I think the kaiju of it all, like the underground kaiju guy, I, yeah, he's, he's better than any kaiju in Pacific Rim, right? So he's a, he's an ant. He's a giant ant. Yeah, big ant. I. Uh, Pretty cool. It is better than Cloverfield, right? I think we both yeah. agree. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That I, it I, has I, to go up there. I think it has more to say than Cloverfield. I think it pulls off what it does better than Cloverfield, and I think it does what Cloverfield does better than Cloverfield. I think it, it, it gets <laughs> it the does. boots on the ground action better than Cloverfield. Cloverfield <laughs> wants to be the like average person's. Um, Kaiju movie and Rodan yeah. does it better and does the escalation in scale better as well. I think, like, I don't know, I've no, actually not really thought about this. I think Rodan is better Cloverfield. 
Yeah, it is. Um, so I, I mean, I'm happy putting it right above Cloverfield, like you say. I thought that was kind of what I was eyeing to. So I, I knew you would. Um, yeah. Well, I have a big, is a really uh, special thing, I guess, like making a big budget, mainstream accessible, but still not stupid as like a box of rocks yeah. kaiju movie is is awesome, and I I don't want to denigrate that. We, we have um, another example of what Pacific Rim would be if it didn't work, and it's such mm. a different movie. I mean, I, I I see where Pacific Rim is on the list, and I see the second one, and I, I kind of have a feeling where that will go, and I don't want to, like, lower it down to, you know, even being close. I think it's yeah. Del okay. Toro, too. I have such a favoritism to, I guess, his method of, of uh, getting these themes across, and his love for the monsters is so um enthusiastic and it matches i think ours of the show i think i think that the deal we make is i will agree with you as long as we realize there is a big gap between (laughs) these top what will now be five and then the rest of the list i think it's very much yeah it's godzilla x map space gamma pacific rim rodan which are good movies and then it's just like here's the dregs we just have to figure out, yeah, is it Pacific Rim or Rodan? I think uh, after we figure that out, we have a really defined top five. And mm. um, I, I, like I said, I thought this would create the middle of the list at least. Uh, Give me your pitch for why you think Pacific Rim needs to be above Rodan, because I think I can be convinced. As a film, I think it's so much more enthusiastic, and I think it yeah. is a complete um, theatrical celebration of kaiju. I, it was so big on the screen and it felt, I, I just felt everything that GDT really wanted me to. Uh, I love putting together the intro. Go listen back to that. Uh, he's made one yeah. movie, as I said there. And I think it is a continuation of all of GDT's movies in a way that um, Rodan, I think it is a specific, interesting case, but uh, I, I do think Honda has better movies and we'll find better movies of his that go on the list. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, GDP is only we've, getting we've, on the list once, right? Yeah, and I mean, we've done mostly Honda films this stage, but that's because that's yeah. at this point the genre was mostly Honda, um, or we've done remakes of Honda films. Um, yeah, okay, I I agree, um, but you know, it's it's a joint list. In my list, I put it above, but I think in a, okay. in a joint list, I think Pacific Rim, I think represents something about the kaiju genre and what it can be in a, in a mainstream sense, in an actual mainstream sense. Yeah. Um, because as alluded to, Rodan is not a mainstream film anymore. It was meant to be, but it is not. Um, proper modern blockbuster that fully open-handedly alludes to a weird subgenre of Japanese cinema. That's cool as hell. It's possibly... Um, I can't not love that. It's possibly leading us into something I don't like, which is the the combination of multiple monsters in a movie. Um, it's possibly leading us right into uh, the thing I'm not looking forward to the most. <laughs> oh, Destroyer Monsters is great. Destroyer Monsters is very, very good. I, I have a feeling we'll have the most conflict about that. But I did give you, uh, last week, I did give you X from Outer Space. So if we can make a compromise here. Yeah. Uh, I'm just I, trying I'm to keep my guy up there, right? I'm happy with it. Pacific Rim is great. Um, and I think Rodan is... Also... I yeah. love Rodan in spite of itself, I think. And I don't feel that way with Pacific Rim. I've just liked Pacific Rim, good movie. Rodan, I'm like, oh, I want you to be better. Okay. So, um, yeah. Are we are we good? Setting that in? Into ink here? Yeah. Okay, so... God, Varen uh, sucks. One last time for the record. It's a bad <laughs> movie. 
It it does suck. And I think it, it does belong in the bottom of the list. Well, I think we've done a good thing with Rodan. That's going to be yeah. a, a good measurement for anything. That Rodan is more of a thinker, dare I say. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard for a movie to get past Rodan that's, now, I think. That's for all you classical art buffs out there who are really into sculpture. Who are like, oh yeah, Rodan was the sculptor that made the thinker. Very good. Very good. <laughs> um, so we have number one, Godzilla, The X from Outer Space, Gamera, Pacific Rim, Rodan, Cloverfield, Godzilla Raids Again, Syrians, Godzilla, Varan, and King of the Monsters. That's our King that's our Monsters. final list of eleven. I actually just love the Godzilla King of the Monsters is no longer in a top ten. <laughs> you just love that it pushed to eleven. Uh, I mean, at I can, least Varan did that. I can say, you know what, Godzilla King of the Monsters is not in my top ten kaiju movies. <laughs> <laughs> and Varan did something very meaningful for us today. So, yeah, thank, uh, thank you, you Varan, my man. Yeah, uh, I feel good about all this. I, I'm glad Rodan got in there, especially. I I was yeah. nervous about the episode since I had uh, less than nothing to say about Varan. Yeah, uh, same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, I think we've got we've got a fun one planned for next time, though. Yeah. Uh, for the very first time, it'll be a conflict between North and South Korea. Um, yeah, we're going to yeah. stir up an international <laughs> incident, apparently. Yeah, they've um, never had a beef before, so I'm very interested to see yeah, how Yeah, not that I've read about. Um, so we're going to do um, Bong Joon-ho's The Host, which is a movie I love, 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 love. And we're going to do a very infamous film, the North Korean kaiju movie, Polgasari. Um, very interesting combo, so cannot wait to watch that i'm not supposed to be good but i cannot wait to watch it i can't wait and for hopefully either of them. we'll have a guest on to speak about them as well possibly it'll be vaughn from our, our site who's uh we just brought on as editor uh, and and he'll have a he'll have a piece in between now and mm. then possibly so uh he'll he'll be reviewing a the green knight for us eventually and maybe some other films so if you read the green knight review and you go these are some good words, but what does this guy think about North Korean kaiju movies? Well, that question will be answered. <laughs> oh, and um, for the Twin Geeks cast fans, um, which I presume is all of you, if you're listening to this, you should be listening um, to that. Um, David spoke at length um, about returning to the cinema, um, which was a really wonderful story. Um, actually, I returned to the cinema this week um, with last week's, last week's, last episode's guest, Jack Davenport. Um, him and I went to see um, The Beaches of Agnes together. Um, at Home Cinema Manchester, so shout out to Home Cinema Manchester and Beaches of Agnes, just a phenomenal movie, um, and I had a lovely experience there, um, and David has written a piece for his return to cinema, which I cannot wait to read, um, especially as just going through that process myself, and know it's very, very special, um, so he's going to write a piece that will be up, as you can hear this, on The Third Man, which is oh, what a movie, and returning to the cinemas. It will have a ton of other stuff. I've just been at festival, um, you're working on... Uh... A couple of pieces right now, a yes. few very interesting pieces. <laughs> I don't know if you want to plug any of them. Yeah, um, I'm going to write a raw perspective, um, which I'm going to rewatch um, Julia DeCorno's um, raw because I mean, if you're listening to this, actually, actually, I don't know if you know if you're to this. Maybe you just don't care about art house cinema. Maybe you're <laughs> tied you head all the way. Um, but Julia DeCorno's second film, Titan, which I've never said out loud. I don't know if I'm yeah. saying it right. Yeah, um, you are. Titan. Um, I'll ask my dad. He's French. Um, uh, one the Palm Door at Cannes, which is just amazing to me. Like, I love Raw so much. It is one of my favorite movies of all time, like top five, maybe even higher. Um, 
and to see her second film look even more wild and get that kind of acclaim is just astonishing to me. Um, so yeah. well, while, while eyes are on there, on her, I'm going to uh, write a piece on Raw and why it means a lot to me. A few anecdotes about my screening of it, which was amusing. Um, and just a piece. And I also watched um, the vast majority of Hong Sang-soo's filmography, um, who's How a many, filmmaker like, that we both love. 20-something, about 30 watched, of them? <laughs> six of his movies i think jesus christ i think he Lord. almost has about the same output as romer in total now so i think he's i think he's around yeah. that 30 mark now yeah i think he's he's made 26 features two of which i've not seen because they are um, at festivals not yet released and um, one at can but i saw his 24 other films and i saw three of his shorts um there's one short that eludes me so if you're out there and you can find that list i think it's called then hit us up please i'd love to watch that apparently it like premiered online for a day and uh, now is lost so i'd love to watch that we're also going to have to enlist help help when we get to the more difficult to find kaiju movies i believe right. i've got there's I've a got few of them men for that okay I've got some um, good men. well thanks so much steven you want to uh, uh, read our um, yeah. There. Um, yeah, no, first of all, as always, um, if you like, we do here, check the website. Um, so Calvin been writing a lot of stuff recently. He's film festivaling um, as of today's recording, though it's actually very close because we're recording very close to the thing, um, uh, review of Pig, um, which sounds fascinating, man. Like, very which interesting. Is, I don't want to say much about the review because it's, I, it was really interesting to read because that was, it's, a, I'm really more interested in that film than I thought I would be now. Um, which is the great thing to come out of review going and be like, oh, actually, wow, I am going to watch this. Um, so yeah, read that, I would say. Um, and also the Twin Geeks cast continues in earnest. Um, bangers every week there. And if you are bored of movies and want to play video games all day, um, the Daydream cast continues to rule um, with Pavlos and Brogan over there um, doing great stuff. Um, but we are the Kaiju Pals. And, you know, until next time, Read good books, say kind words, do good deeds, be a good person. Mosu